Good morning. It's good to be with you all. Good to be back with you all. Uh, I've heard worship went very well last week. Uh, while it, you all were here, I had the opportunity to go over to uh, Hickman and visit Redemption Hill. And I wanted to, uh, I guess, report back to you. Uh, it was a joy uh, to see a lot of faces that we uh, know well and love, uh, people who were uh, formerly part of our body. Uh, but it was uh, a real joy uh, to see um, a lot of people there I'd never seen before in my life. Uh, and um, I've, I felt it was absolutely uh, an affirmation of... Uh, Every pain we've undergone and uh, pains we continue to undergo uh, for the sake of the advance of the gospel, and uh, very happy to report to you all that it, it seems uh, that Redemption Hill is definitely making uh, positive progress in sharing the hope of the gospel with people in the Norris area. So if you would, uh, with me, please continue to Pray for them, pray that the Lord continues to establish them as a church, pray that uh, people who do not yet know Christ in the Norris area will come to know Him as their Lord and Savior, uh, and uh, as they worship together this morning, we'll step uh, back into the book of Acts. Uh, it's a pretty timely break that I wish I could say that I planned, but I didn't. Uh, this is, we, uh, this morning, in starting chapter 11, we're going to essentially read the same story for the third time. Luke uh, relates a lot of these details with some minor variations, essentially three times in a row, uh, kind of showing how the gospel progresses through this uh, series of events. And so I'd like to read uh, Acts chapter 11, 1 through 18 together, and then we'll pray. We read, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. 
and he will declare to you the message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as it had on us at the beginning. And I remember the word from the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we uh, thank you uh, that we could uh, be here this morning, as, as Adam said, uh, celebrating the birth of Christ together. Lord, we thank you, God, that uh, you have made provision for us in our sin through Christ, that you have called us to yourself, that you have equipped us by the power of your Holy Spirit to worship you, and God, even that you would appoint this day uh, before the dawn of eternity for we uh, believers to come together empowered by your Holy Spirit to further edify each other and glorify you. And so, Lord, we pray that as you've planned, uh, your Spirit would be at work this morning. We would see uh, your power as a confirmation of the grace of the gospel. God, we pray that... Uh, your word would edify our minds and hearts this morning. And even as you were doing that work here, Lord, we thank you that you're doing the same at Redemption Hill. Lord, we uh, long for our brothers and sisters, but more than that, God, we yearn to see uh, the gospel proclaimed to all nations. God, for your church to be fully built and for the end to come. And so we pray that as you further establish us, Lord, you would establish them and that they would uh, be faithful in their clear proclamation of the gospel and that you would use their witness to continue to draw people uh, in the Hickman area uh, to the glory of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. God, we pray that uh, we and they, uh, God, would glorify you this morning as uh, we see your grace made manifest in us. We pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I, uh, I think, I, you know, I can't make any promises, but I think since this is the third time we've gone through a lot of these details, uh, I might be able to make it through this text relatively quickly, but I, I can't guarantee that. Uh, as, as kind of as we walk through it, I think you might notice that there are uh, some things that are different about this text uh, than there were about previous texts, or if you're visiting this morning, maybe it'll be new to you entirely. I would suspect that some of you, like me, struggle to remember what you had for lunch yesterday, so maybe it'll all seem new to everybody. But uh, essentially, uh, Peter was in Joppa, uh, and well, there's a lot of details about his time in Joppa uh, that he's not going to communicate to us, or Luke doesn't communicate to us at this point. Uh, 
he was uh, waiting, praying, waiting on the Lord, and he has a vision which he relates here, and that vision compels him to travel uh, through the Samaritan territory and uh, to the edge of Samaritan territory into a, a very gentile city uh, and share the gospel with the Roman soldier Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius receives Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and Peter ends up staying for some days uh, with these new Gentile converts to Christianity. And he's now uh, made his way back to Jerusalem, and everything that Luke is communicating to us this morning, I think, uh, is Peter relating what has happened to the church in Jerusalem, but also there are shades of uh, conflict brewing in the church of Jerusalem, which kind of are going to come to a head in a few chapters, in chapter 15. But uh, Luke starts this whole section of Acts uh, with everybody, everybody in Judea, all the Jewish believers, heard about what happened in Caesarea, heard that Gentiles had received Christ, presumably had heard about uh, this kind of second Pentecost amongst the Gentiles where the work of the Spirit was manifest. And so the news kind of beat Peter back to Jerusalem apparently, and then Peter shows up uh, trying to explain what has happened. And when he walks into the Jerusalem church, uh, he, he catches a little flack almost right away. Uh, some people, some, the circumcision party, Luke says, criticize Peter for having eaten with, or those few days that he stayed with Cornelius and Cornelius' household. Uh, they uh, don't really seem to take exception at the fact that Peter had preached the gospel to the Gentiles. What they're uh, confused about or concerned about is that he stayed and shared table fellowship with the Gentiles. You know, that they can have Christ, that's okay, but like, don't eat with them. That's, are you sure about that? Like, that's, uh, and I think in passing, uh, I've mentioned a few times in the book of Acts, and I think this is another one of the details uh, in the book of Acts that would uh, indicate uh, that Peter uh, doesn't have the sort of position in the church that some people would like to say that Peter had. Like, though Peter is, we have seen Peter very much be a spokesperson in the church, and a lot of times take the lead, or at least be the most vocal in the decision-making, as Luke relates it, uh, Peter is definitely not above reproach. Peter walks back into Jerusalem after everything that went down, and pretty immediately others, presumably not other apostles, are questioning Peter's decisions. Uh, I would suggest... Uh, you know, that the reaction is Peter explaining to them what happened rather than immediately rejecting their criticism or criticizing them for criticizing him indicates that Peter himself did not think that there was a person above being questioned in the church's life. And I would suggest to you that the same is true for us, that there are no people uh, in this church that are above being questioned, that anyone uh, can be questioned, certainly, and the, the church here, even as we'll see in chapter 15, that maybe some of the circumcision party doesn't really understand the gospel, that uh, this questioning was an appropriate thing, considering the stage that the church is in. 
And we'll talk more about that in a minute, but Peter's response is to, to answer their objection. He doesn't criticize from them for asking. He responds by showing that the thumbprint of God was over this entire situation, just as we talked about a couple weeks ago. He uh, relates, Luke says, in order. So where Luke had kind of given us uh, the narrator's view in chapter 10, at this point, Peter's giving a speech, and this is kind of Peter's view of what had happened. He was in Joppa praying, he fell into the trance, and he relates the details of the trance again. The sheet comes down from heaven, covers the whole earth, and inside of the sheet are uh, every animal that the Lord has made. And he doesn't uh, say, I was incredibly hungry, but if you remember in chapter 10, he was incredibly hungry, and the Lord says, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. The main difference here uh, is that beasts of prey is new. Uh, previously, he said uh, it seems to be emphasizing all animals, but as he's relating it to the church in Jerusalem, he seems to especially be emphasizing the fact that there were unclean animals in this sheet, beasts of prey. And uh, the Lord, uh, in this vision, was indicating to him that uh, there are no unclean things. Still, Peter uh, objects to what is said. Uh, you know, certainly, Lord, I wouldn't do that. If this is a test, I guess I've passed. But God affirms that all things have been made clean, and then a third time affirms that all things are made clean, and the trance ends. And as soon as those events are over, uh, three men show up and ask Peter to come to Caesarea. And the Spirit confirms that Peter is supposed to go with these people, uh, making no distinction between Jew and Gentile. So the, despite the fact that the three people who show up are presumably two non-Jews and a Roman soldier, uh, Peter goes with them back to Caesarea and then makes it a point to uh, include the fact that six Jewish brothers uh, from Joppa come with him, right? So Peter wasn't acting alone. Peter wasn't uh, acting uh, apart from the consent of other people. But uh, there, these six brothers, I think, indicates that they had come back to uh, Jerusalem with Peter, and those six were standing there alongside of Peter. That uh, these six brothers that are with me, like, we all saw all of this play out. We absolutely know that God was at work and we were simply obeying the clear command of the Lord. So we went to Caesarea. We went back with them. We went into uh, Cornelius's house. And uh, as we walk into Cornelius's house, we find out Cornelius simultaneously had his own vision indicating that I was going to share the gospel with him. And uh, so I went back to Caesarea and I did the very thing that the Lord was clearly leading me to do. And as I was doing that very thing, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And I remembered that Jesus himself had said that the Spirit would be confirmation of the Lord's working, that uh, their being baptized in the Holy Spirit was clear evidence that they are folded into the life of the church, that there are no distinctions to be made between Jews and Gentiles, but that in Christ 
all people have access to salvation. And then, uh, challenging the people who criticize him to some degree, uh, he says, If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And he kind of turns the challenge back to them. Like, look at everything that happened. Look at the vision. Look at Cornelius' vision. Look at the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, look at the timing of them showing up. You see, God's fingerprint after God's fingerprint after God's fingerprint on all of these circumstances leading up to this happening, and then they receive the Holy Spirit in the same way that we receive the Holy Spirit. How could that not be God at work? It was absolutely God at work, and who am I to stand in the way of the clear work of the Lord? And, and with that question, he kind of turns it back to his criticizers, right? Like, it's, it's their chance to respond. Uh, do you want to tell me that I should have ignored the clear work of the Lord? Do you, do you want, are you suggesting to me that I should have told God he was wrong and, and tried to obstruct what God was doing? And, uh, you know, certainly nobody is going to say that. Everybody uh, hearing Peter falls silent. Uh, we'll, we'll find out uh, in chapter 15 at this point, apparently, not everyone agreed that Peter made the right decision. But everybody knows there's no way to object with what Peter is saying. Like, Peter is not wrong. Uh, the, the church, it will become quite the problem for the church that uh, there are a few people who profess Christ but are so committed to their Jewish identity and so intent on seeing Gentiles adopt their Jewish identity, uh, that it, it becomes a point of tension inside the church. But at this point, uh, nobody can object to what Peter is saying, and uh, Luke tells us that instead the church uh, collectively glorifies God, understanding after hearing everything that's happened that clearly God is folding the Gentiles into the life of the church. And uh, you know, and there's part of us, uh, certainly if you've heard uh, all of what we've said about chapter 10, you're like, why on earth would we relate the same story three times, essentially? Like, I, I get it, Luke. I get the facts here. Uh, I, you know, sure, it's a little bit different, but you're really not adding much in here. And I think, uh, you know, if you're thinking that, I'm, I'm guilty too. Sometimes I read and I'm like, what is going on here? Why, why the same thing three times? Uh, and what I have to remind myself, what you should remind yourself is, uh, if you're thinking there's not a point, then you've missed the point. Uh, and I think Luke's point uh, here uh, is that in chapter 10, as we said, like the miracle is the inclusion of the Gentiles in the church. And certainly, uh, that is such a monumental work of God's grace that it is worth emphasizing God's hand in it happening and then exactly what happens. And at the same time, uh, you'd say like chapter 10 kind of has a bow on it. 
Like, okay, the Gentiles are included in the church. That's God's work that there are no clean and unclean people in God's eyes. But in Christ Jesus, all people are made clean. Uh, And then chapter 11 kind of feels like a hanger on. Uh, But what's happening in chapter 11 uh, is its own sort of miracle, right? Like, remember the people that are hearing everything that Peter is reporting. Uh, Everything about life from birth up to the present day had indicated to them that essentially their Jewish identity was everything. It was the only thing that mattered. It was the only thing that made them special and uh, relative to everyone else. They were God's chosen people, right? That it was the highest cultural priority to preserve that distinction. And now in Christ, uh, things are changing. And, uh, and the miracle of chapter 11 is that a room full of people, even if there are some we're going to find out that don't quite get it or maybe aren't actually in Christ, though they're identifying as Christians, uh, that a room full of people uh, come to see that the Lord, just as Peter did, that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, makes all people one. That everything God's been working towards since Genesis 11 with the division of the nations has been accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ. That, uh, you know, you could... uh, You could say... uh, Peter was a master of rhetoric, but I think you'd be wrong. You could say that uh, he's a brilliant orator, uh, and I'm not sure you would be right. Uh, what, what's happening in Acts chapter 11 isn't, uh, isn't Peter masterfully leading the Jerusalem church. It's uh, God working in the hearts of the people in the church of Jerusalem in the same way that he just worked in Peter's heart. And that He is showing the church in Jerusalem and and preserving the unity, the accord in the church of Jerusalem, even as he's shaking the ages with the inclusion of the Gentiles in the church. And I think, like, as we consider the text, uh, there's there's two, at least in my mind, there's two observations that uh, we should make from this text. And then like if you add those things together, uh, the whole is almost more than the sum of the parts. Uh, number one, uh, I would suggest to you that uh, whatever we say about Peter, his his question, "Who was I to stand in God's way?" is probably a question we should all be asking ourselves far more frequently than we are. Uh, we I think we could all take a cue from Peter here. I think. Uh, what, what's evidenced in chapter 10 and now here in chapter 11 even uh, is uh, Peter is not so, so much confident in himself as he is confident in the clear working of the Lord. And I think maybe we get that a little bit mixed up sometimes where we're uh, incredibly confident in ourselves and... Uh, we aren't so confident in the work of the Lord. I, 
I think even as people respond to him, the, 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 the crowd falls silent. Uh, from essentially the first day until this day, like disagreement uh, is not new in the life of the church. Uh, what was uh, new in the life of the church, uh, or, or should be continually a part of the life of the church, is that when there's the clear working of the Holy Spirit, uh, I think disagreement should become silence, as it does here. When when God's hand is clearly at work, when things that God has said He desires to accomplish are absolutely happening, uh, then we should be uh, very careful about standing in the way of the Lord. I think uh, there's absolutely times in the life of the church where things don't necessarily develop the way we expect they will develop, or they don't happen the way we think they ought to happen, and certainly as they do here, I think we're all free to voice concerns as we have them. I think we also need to be people who are incredibly sensitive to the obvious working of the Holy Spirit and humble enough to admit that we're, we're not prophets, uh, that when God's at work, even if he's working in a way we didn't necessarily expect, that when it's clearly God working, we need to be humble enough to recognize it for what it is. And humble enough to uh, refrain from standing in God's way. I don't think that's a safe place for any of us to stand. And at the same time, uh, as mentioned earlier, I, I think uh, it's peculiar <laughs> to, to me uh, that Peter walks back into the Jerusalem church and, you know, the headline isn't so Gentiles believed? Is that, like, we heard that. Is that what actually happened? And it's not even, hey, uh, you kind of unilaterally decided that you were going to baptize Gentiles. Don't you think we should have talked about that first? Like, kind of confused about the decision-making here. Uh, You know, their question to Peter when he walks back into the Jerusalem church is, wait, so you ate with these people? Uh, Which... You know, that, that would seem like a weird question to us, might on the one hand demonstrate like that we don't entirely understand Judaism. Uh, on the other hand, I think it probably indicates to us something is evident in their hearts that's also evident in our hearts. Uh, like their focus is on Peter eating with unclean people, and I think their focus at that point reflects... A, a, something that is almost always true of our own way of thinking. Like that we almost always tend to be people who reflect on things that are external rather than things that are internal. Like we, uh, we have a tendency, I think, not, not to say that all external things are trivial, but we have a tendency to focus on things that are trivial and sort of miss the things that are eternal. And uh, I think... You know, certainly, to the degree that that's true, like it's it's a it's a concern in its own right, right? That we spend, for instance, I think Paul would say, First Corinthians chapter five, that we spend far too much time worrying about what non-Christians do or don't do, and far too little time exhorting them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, like the the true internal eternal 
spiritual realities that would actually make a difference. That we are people who are constantly focused on something other than the main thing. And you know, as all this is playing out for them, and I think uh, what's happening in chapter 10, chapter 11, is the Jerusalem church is learning really for the first time, firsthand, front row seat, that it is no longer the observance of the law that demarcates like who is a part of God's people. It is the Spirit. The Spirit is the border around God's people. It's the Spirit in God's people that shows who God's people really are. And I think they're, that we need to be charitable with them because they're grappling with a very new reality. It, it wasn't like that uh, ten years previous for them. They're, they're stepping into a new age. But we are not stepping into a new age. Right? This is... This is the only reality we've ever known as long as we've known God. That for us, the Spirit of God has always been the thing that demarcated the people of God, yet we, like they, often think that things that are external are the things that are important. That things that really, in God's eyes, are more trivial are the things that truly matter. To bring it down to the street, I'd say, like, think about the way that you think about other people. Like, when you think about another person, do you define who they are primarily based on what they do or what they don't do? Or do you tend to think about the more, uh, tend to think about the way in which they do it more? Or when thinking about yourself. Like, you certainly have, like, a, a self-conception. Like, you have an idea of who you are. If you lay out who you are, is, uh, is that built primarily on what you do or you don't do? Or is that built primarily on looking at uh, the way that you do or don't do certain things? Like, for instance... Uh, would you say that you serve uh, and you serve gladly and selflessly? Or if you give, uh, that you give generously and cheerfully? Or uh, if you find yourself sometimes correcting a brother or sister in Christ, do you do that in humility and love? When you woke up to come here this morning, were you uh, eager and joyful? Right? Uh, do you Think about yourselves in, in terms of what you do. You know, I serve and I give and I attend and I, I do. Or do you tend to think about yourself in terms of the way in which you do the things that you do? Like there are absolutely uh, a lot of counterfeit Christians who focus uh, on what they do. They'll talk to you all day about their giving and their attending and their serving and a long list of other things. And I think uh, probably, uh, unfortunately, some of those people in the end are going to hear Jesus Christ say, depart from me, I never knew you. 
I think that uh, with others and certainly with ourselves, we'd have uh, much more clarity uh, if we understood, uh, really understood, believed that the true work of the Spirit is not so much evidenced by what a person does or doesn't do, though certainly that is important, but uh, the way you sort out an authentic bill from a counterfeit one is the way in which things are done. Are the fruits of the Spirit evidenced in your life or in the life of another person? Are you joyful and generous and loving and humble. That is the obvious work of the Spirit. And, and their response when they see the obvious work of the Spirit is to glorify God, to praise Him, because there's no obvious, uh, there's no argument with the obvious work of the Spirit. And uh, I think uh, that the kind of clarity that that brings uh, helps us not only in relating to other people, but in relating to ourselves. So in that moment, uh, when, when you think, like, I don't, I don't know that God is really at work in me. Well, what evidence have you observed that there is absolutely the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Because that fruit is not counterfeit. I think... Uh, that, that fruit, just as the movement of the Holy Spirit here affirms what God was doing through Peter in Cornelius and the Gentiles, that uh, fruit of the Spirit is absolutely evidence of the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's where they end in 18. Like They are praising God specifically for the repentance that leads to life. Like, what Jesus Christ has done on behalf of sinners. And I think absolutely, uh, even as we look for the fruit of the Spirit, we have to understand that that's not something we've earned, and it's certainly not something that we've achieved. It's an evidence for us of the absolute grace of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so, this morning, we are going to celebrate that grace together uh, and specifically what that grace cost. That Jesus didn't just come as a babe, but Jesus was uh, horrifically treated and then ultimately crucified on our behalf to make available to us the grace of God. And that grace is still evident to us today in the work of the Spirit. And so let's celebrate that grace this morning, even as we remember the price of said grace. If I could get the servers...